So every summer we make a pilgrimage of sorts to northern Wisconsin as a family. Tim has been making this trek his entire life. I have been tagging along for the 20 years that we've been married. But we go to the same places. We do the same things. It's sort of like a family pilgrimage. Every year, it seems at some point in our up north vacation, we are rehearsing the tribal, the family, the roots, the story of the grotty roots. We're talking about the family roots. We're also doing the same things over and over. So every time we go up north, it involves swimming. It involves campfires, it involves supper clubs, and it involves fish fries. It involves those funny little things they call a salad, but there's actually nothing green on them. It's a family pilgrimage that we go on every single summer. Now, when we were first married, I have to admit, I uh, didn't really appreciate it very much. I was kind of like this snooty little city girl who was wrinkling up my nose at the humidity and the mosquitoes and the lack of amenities. <laughs> but over time, this place has shaped me, and I treasure our time up north now. And this month, we are in this series called Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for the gathering, the assembly, the church. We're also celebrating 100 years of consecutive ministry that has happened in this place, on this corner, at 1601 South Clarkson, in this sacred place in this city. And last week I told you that up until now I have tended to downplay the importance of place. Since the church is the people, not the building, I've tended to kind of cancel out place in my theology. I've seen place as somewhat irrelevant to our spiritual formation. But I have started uh, reading and immersing myself in a kind of, you know, obscure work of theology, which is this Christian theology of place. What is that? And basically, it is a study of how the Bible handles and emphasizes place, the way in which God forms us through place, and the importance of place in our lives. And the question, the nagging question that started me down this rabbit hole of study was basically just this question. Does a place like this sanctuary even really matter if God is everywhere anyway? Because on one hand, we know already from Scripture that all time and all place belong to God in Christ. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In other words, we don't have to come to a church building to be in the presence of God. God is present everywhere. And yet, I would encourage you to begin reading scripture with an eye towards place. Listen to this section of scripture with all of its emphasis on place. This is the story of the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. Jesus has just ascended He's instructed his followers to stay in the city and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the scriptures say this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, a place from the hill called the Mount of Olives, another place. A Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room, another particular place where they were staying. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. This is the story of the start of the church, the beginning of the ecclesia, 
And if you were to make pilgrimage to the Holy Land, if you were to visit Jerusalem, you actually can go to the place that archaeologists believe is the upper room. You can visit it. Some of you have done that. It's pretty cool to make pilgrimage there, to walk in the place where historians believe that Jesus actually walked. And before the world stopped traveling, there was a sharp rise in the number of people who were taking pilgrimage. In fact, at one point, it was estimated that one out of four tourists around the world were on pilgrimage to a worldwide, were on pilgrimage to some sort of a, a holy site, to a sacred place in the world. Now, ancient people did this as a matter of spiritual practice, a habit of formation. And I wonder what it might be like for us to kind of re-embrace this idea of pilgrimage in our lives. Like we said last week, imagine if you just woke up each Sunday and you kind of imagined that your commute to this place was like a weekly pilgrimage. Because do you know what a pilgrimage is? Simply put, pilgrimage is a journey to a place where divine human encounter has taken place. It's a journey to a place where the holiness of God has touched human hearts. It's a journey to a place where people have had an encounter with God and it has caused them to respond wholeheartedly in following him. And we make pilgrimage to places to remember how God has interacted with human beings there. Now, of course, we do not elevate any place to an, an idolatrous status. In other words, we don't worship the place. We worship God in the place. We remember how God has encountered others there. In their book, A Christian Theology of Place, they describe it this way. Pilgrimage is journey to places where divine human encounter has taken place. It's journey to places where holiness has been apparent in the lives of Christian men and women who have been inspired by such an encounter and have responded to it wholeheartedly in their lives. It's travel to the dwelling places of the saints. And that is what we do when we come here. We make pilgrimage to a dwelling place of the saints. Pilgrimage might be many things, but at least it's three. It's, it's about roots, it's about journeys, and it's about destination. First of all, pilgrimage is about roots. We come to worship in a particular place. And this one, this is our place, and we value it. We value it being a place and we value being people of that place rather than being people of placelessness. Last week we talked about the urban promise, which is just this promise that I don't know about you, but I've bought into on different levels and in different ways in my life. It's this idea that we can all just lead independent, detached lives, unrooted lives. But as we said, the urban promise has failed us because like Walter Brueggemann says, there is no meaning apart from roots. And this place, a place like this, this place of worship reminds us 
as travelers on a journey, that there is a larger heritage that we're a part of. Another way to say it is, this is a reminder that we are not self-made. Truth is, we're not self-made. We're community-made. We are family-made. We are made by the land that we inhabit and by our ancestors and the people who have come before us. We're made by all these things, and we're bound up with one another. See, the Urban Thomas would, would say to us, like, you can be detached, isolated. You can be an unrooted soul, no problem. That is not the God's design for humanity because we're a part of this larger story. And we do well to see ourselves in the story rather than apart from it. And above all, we remember the roots of the Christian story. That it was God who took dust from the ground, fashioned the first human, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That that is, that is our roots. From dust you have come, to dust you shall return. So living life as pilgrimage, it's about roots. Like when we come to this place, we remember others built this place. They designed that kitchen downstairs. When we come into this place, we remember we actually are not the ones who thought ahead to build an education room where children would one day gather and learn the love of God. It was others who had that vision of what was to come. It was others who encountered God here and trusted God here first before us. A few years ago, we, um, we were in a staff meeting, and we were talking about, well, what would we do if we could no longer uh, worship in this place? And we were talking about it and different ideas, and at one point I said, well, there's this abandoned Kmart on Evans, and maybe we could go and renovate it, and <laughs> I will never forget the staffs. The staff was like, oh, <laughs> just, you know, on one hand, of course we can. The church is the people. We can meet anywhere. But there was like a, a feeling of disappointment in the room to leave the history of this space. There was like a value on it. Now, of course, when we first started this church, we met at South High School in the high school auditorium, and we worshiped there, and we prayed together there, and we encountered God as a community there. We also had the opportunity, being there, to contribute there. We volunteered there. We gave there. We helped that school community in little ways and big ways as they helped us by providing a place to worship. And, and then there was the one day when South High School said, we're going to be doing some renovations. You're going to need to move out for the summer. And so I got on the phone, just kind of called all the churches in this area, and the former pastor of this church said, yes, we will share the sanctuary with you. And we moved in for what we thought was just going to be the summer. And then over time, it became long-term. And uh, now today, this is our place. This place has become, over time, kind of like up north in my life, over time it has become a place, a sacred site for the ecclesia of Platteville Church. That's what it is. We worship God here. We honor that God encounters his people in particular places like this place. And so this is a special site 
where God reveals himself to us. Now, by being here week in and week out for nearly 12 years now, this has become like some roots. And pilgrimage is about roots. And there are no meanings apart from roots. But pilgrimage is also about journey. And our entire lives are like a journey, a journey to God. So by thinking about your Sunday morning commute as a pilgrimage to a sacred place, it's kind of like a uh, symbolic of a larger journey that you are on. We're all on a journey towards our heavenly home. And the Bible is just full of examples of this, this picture of journeys that Abraham and a journey in the Old Testament to the promised land. Throughout the scriptures, the Jewish people are regularly making a journey, making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the various festivals. Even in the end, we have this picture of Christ followers traveling to our heavenly home, described as the new Jerusalem. See, when God sent Jesus to this earth, the incarnation of Christ, God did not just like say, I'm going to have a big cloud descend on the whole entire earth, and at the same time, in all the places, I shall be there. When God sent Christ in the incarnation, he sent Jesus as a human to a particular place, Bethlehem. And you can go there. You can make pilgrimage to that place. In the book, A Christian Theology of Christ, they put it like this. The Christian faith is not the faith of salvation from places. It is the faith of salvation in and through places. In other words, God uses people and places to reach us, to teach us, to form us. It is the, it's part of the Christian journey. The thing about journeys, the thing about pilgrimage as journey is very rarely <laughs> does a journey seem to be like point A to point B. Very often it's winding with unexpected twists and turns and stops along the way. Leo Tolstoy has this story, uh, it's called Two Old Men. He tells this tale of two old men who decide they want to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem before they die, and so they set out. And these two old men walk all day long, and on their way, they come to a village. And it seems the village is desolate. It seems there is nothing going on in this village, but they see a little hut, and so they go into the hut. And it's dark, and immediately they're, they're overcome by the smell of death. And then they notice there's some beds. And they see there are some people on those beds. And as their eyes kind of begin to adjust to the light, they notice the people are actually alive, but barely. And one of the old men says, I want to stay. I want to stay here and see if I can help. You go ahead, he says to his friend, go ahead to the next village. I'll meet up with you at the next village. We'll meet up there. So one man goes ahead and the other man stays. And he opens up the windows and he provides food and he provides water. And he begins to, to care for the people in this village. But very quickly he realizes, oh, who the magnitude of the needs here 
is much greater than the day. And he realizes it's not just this hut, it's the whole community that is suffering. And so he leaves and he goes ahead and he finds his friend and he says, actually, I want to stay longer. You go ahead to Jerusalem. I'll meet you in Jerusalem. And so he stays. And he never actually makes it to Jerusalem. And his friend goes ahead to Jerusalem and he waits for his friend there. And then after some time, when his friend doesn't come, he he begins his trek back home. And on the way back home across Russia, he comes to a village. And it's strangely familiar. And he realizes that this is the village where I left my friend. Except that now everyone is working and playing and there's life and the animals are healthy and the crops are now growing. And so he says, what has happened here? And in their simple innocence, the villagers explain that a man stopped along the way and gave them back their life. Now, Tolstoy in the story was not meaning to say like a black and white, one guy is a good guy, one guy is a bad guy. It was more of a nuanced, our journeys take different paths. Both men had set out to go to Jerusalem. For one man, his pilgrimage became instead saving the village. And sometimes we set out on a journey thinking we're headed to a particular place. But maybe God has something else in mind. And so it is best for us to be open-handed on our journey as we head out with an ear to what is God saying? Holly Ingalls, who's on our staff, she has shared with me this beautiful Thomas Merton idea. It's a practice, actually, to just basically view any moment that you're in this way, to to just say to yourself, these people, this place, this time, these people, this place, this time. You want to say that with me? These people, this place, this time. Sometimes we're like so set on a destination that we, we miss like what's right before us. These people, these people right here in my life today. This place, Denver, Colorado, 1601 South Clatsop. This time, 2021, these people, this place, this time, we are wise to have an open hand to God as we pilgrimage, as we journey together. And then lastly, pilgrimage is about destination. The destination of a pilgrimage on this earth, it's meant to be like a foretaste of what's to come. The destination here on earth, it's not the full reality of what's to come. It's like a taste of what's to come. It is pointing towards the final destination of a place where all things will be made right, where all wrongs will be made right, where all tears will be wiped away, where no more pain will be. And if you travel to the Holy Land, 
there's all these sacred sites and shrines and places you can go. There are so many spots. There's a grotto in Bethlehem where people believe that Jesus was born. And, and when you go in and, you know, usually you, you know, wait in line. <laughs> and then you kind of go down these curved uh, stone stairs. And, and the ceiling is so low, you know, at the depth. You're almost like forced into this posture of humility. And you get down there, and it's like a cave. And there's actually a place where you can kneel down, and you can, like, rub this stone, you know, where people believe that Jesus was born. And, uh, and as you do that, you cannot help but notice it's like one leg because so many other humans have touched that spot before and never even got there. Like so many people came before you on pilgrimage to that place. And in doing that, in going and doing that, you know, you're not just remembering that Jesus is born. You're also remembering that Jesus lived and died and rose and ascended and promised to return. You're remembering in going there the final destination. Because on pilgrimage, we look forward towards our final destination. And what we do is we like we travel together and we speak of it. We speak of the final destination. We imagine that day. We long for it together. We remember the words of Jesus himself who said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. When we have a Christian theology of place, we recognize the places where people have encountered God, and we allow them to serve as a reminder to us, Jesus is preparing a place for us, even right now. In this particular place, as special as it is, it's just a foretaste of that place that he is preparing for us, where we will worship him face to face. We're on a pilgrimage to the place Jesus is preparing for us. And so, Platt Park Church, may you see yourself as a pilgrim, as a pilgrim on a journey. May you see worship like a pilgrimage to a sacred place each week. And may you sink your roots in, may you choose place with all its hassles and inconveniences, over the urban promise of detached placelessness. And may we together encourage one another to our final destination in the everlasting, eternal, loving arms of the triune God. Let's pray together as we close. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have first and foremost invited us into yourself to move and breathe and have our being in you. You've invited us to sink roots down deep in your love. And you've given us one another. You've given us your spirit and you've given us this place as gift. Give us eyes to see the better way of place and rootedness rather than independence, isolation, and detached living. 
Thank you, God, for journeying from heaven to earth so that it would be possible for us to journey with you even now. And thank you, God, that you hold us, even when we can't see it, every single step of the way. We trust, God, that you are preparing an eternal home for us, and we eagerly await it. We eagerly await that day when you will make all things new, and you will make all things right. We fix our eyes on you, and our final destination as we come together to the table of communion now. And God, in coming to the table of communion, we acknowledge our need once again. We acknowledge our need for you, and we look to you again for nourishment and for strength for whatever lies ahead in the journey ahead for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody said, Amen.